Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place, or maybe it's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up, Jared? Hello. Oh, man. Shit is going down. <laughs> That's all I can really say. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff's happening. Yeah. Let's mention a few things before we get started. So we are um, a part of the But Why Though podcast community. You can check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC or go on their website, butwhythoughpodcast.com. Lots of great content there, um, not only podcasts, but um, lots of people writing great things, reviews, recaps, uh, opinions, um, really great group of people there. We're really proud to be a part of their community. Um, and the other thing, if by now you are not caught up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know what you're doing here, but um, in case you're not, it is available on Netflix through the end of season five. Um, and a lot of the big spoilers for this season have already come through, but um, we will still have a spoiler section at the end to talk about some future stuff that's coming up in probably season two and three. So um, we'll give you plenty of warning if you're not caught up. All right. In that case... This is season one, episode 18, titled Providence, written by Brent Fletcher. He did Girl in the Flower Dress, and then directed by uh, Milan Shalov. Originally aired April 15th, 2014. Um, man, 18 episodes. That's like, and it's, there's still more. <laughs> like, that's just so crazy to think about. Yeah, there's. We, I mean, we've talked about it a lot and I know other people, I, th I feel like most people who I know who really love TV, like enjoy having lots to binge and whatnot, but that we all kind of feel similarly that everything just seems a little stretched out and padded mm -hmm. and I get why, but still. Yep. It's, it's crazy that, I don't know, just the trend is going away from these super long seasons. It seems like maybe not so much for the sitcoms and stuff like that, but when some, I think still are like, like, like they do still order shorter seasons. I know that specifically the good place, each season has been 13 episodes, which I mean, okay. isn't super short, but it's, yeah, it's not excessive. And then I know like they, they just increased the series order a little bit on Brooklyn nine, nine, but sometimes when, either studios or, or networks are uncertain or if there's a transition or whatever, or if they're a new, a new series, like a mid season replacement, they do seem to be making them a little shorter and maybe just in general, they seem to be launching shows like as mid season shows, like all oh, this will just be on the first half and then the slot will be filled by another show, the second half of the season. Right. That's a good point. You're right. Like the sitcoms, the, the, at least the ones that are big or that are on like block nights on the major networks and, uh, and they're like flagship shows do seem to still like they're like, oh, no, we got to have 26 episodes. Like, yeah. Fill half the freaking year. Like it's so it's so much. It's like I um I saw a rumor on Twitter that season six of S.H.I.E.L.D. was ordered to be shorter. Um, I think f right now every season has around 20 episodes, give or take. Did we get the number on five? Was five a shorter season order as well? Like 13 or something? I can't remember. I, I looked um, when I last, like, I, I was just like, when I was on Netflix watching, I looked through and I don't remember how many episodes there were. Um, this was like a couple months ago. I don't, and I think that um, season six is airing, like, this 
it's not it usually would like air in the fall and like go through winter and i think it's airing in the summer if i'm not mistaken that is, that i do remember uh, is correct they said well, i think in the initial announcement it would be returning in july so it's basically like when they announced it, they're like, it'll be back in a year and a month. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, which, yeah. Was, which was cool, but it's also like, whoa, whoa. Kind of But crazy. maybe that has something to do with and again, this isn't confirmed or anything. Like I just saw this floating around. So I don't know reading how true this, it is. reading the current Wikipedia article with citations, so it's not just somebody's made up stuff. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it could be still erroneous from a, a website. I mean, I don't really trust it, everything blindly. Yeah. But uh, it says that it's July 2019 and it will run an abbreviated season of 13 episodes. Okay. So, and I don't I'm think crazy. <laughs> it says the early renewal is, uh, set to, it was considered to be a surprise because of the series uh, lower ratings during the fifth season, but they renewed it for a seventh season of 13 episodes. It's all, which oh. it's interesting. That almost feels like they extended the season order to a full season yeah, and with the way they've done it, the last two seasons where they've had them in half season arcs, which I've really enjoyed. But the way yeah. they've done that, like this, almost just seems like they did it Netflix the style because Netflix used yeah. to do that. <laughs> I remember that where they ordered twenty six episodes of uh, of uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and then I watched the first season, and they announced like, "Oh, we, we're 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 adding a second season." I'm like, "Wait." No, you already ordered those. Like, like we, yeah. you, you announced it months ago. You said you ordered a second set of 13 episodes. Like you're, you're not really announcing this. You're just like, now that it's popular, you're like reframing it. And, and yeah. it's interesting that they do that sometimes, but it's, it's, it feels like a very Netflix or Amazon type thing to do, to do these half seasons uh, and not, and kind of trick you maybe, or, 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 or maybe they just trying to see like um, how successful like the first season is or how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. gauge response. That makes sense too. But yeah. it's interesting to see ABC doing that now, like mm-hmm. on, on the major network, because it does seem like that a little bit, because uh, this feels like sort of the same thing in a weird way, although yeah. it's weird to announce it before the other first half even airs. Like maybe it's just to set our minds at ease that like that that uh, Disney Plus isn't going to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D. instantly or whatever. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I I have a feeling that that's Disney's or Marvel stepping in to be like, we want this show. You know what I mean? I have no um, basis in reality for this, but that's just like a feeling that I have. <laughs> we, we talked about how, like, when you think about it, just the small number of principal cast, and I mean, yeah, they have a big special effects budget, I'm sure, or large, larger than a lot of shows, but you look at shows like it that are comparable on the major networks and a lot of them have these like sprawling casts, you know, even if they don't have the big set mm-hmm. pieces or special effects, it just feels like they have to pay for all sorts of people all the time. And, and I feel like it can't be that expensive of a show and maybe they just want to wrap up, you know, but I feel like letting us know as fans does seem like we kept talking about how like we, we weren't convinced we were less uh, worried than other people. We were the most, I, th- I feel like optimistic other people I know who like the show, but at the same time, even we were like, you know, Disney play might be the end of shield after this, after six, yeah. but thankfully we were, we were, we were kind wrong. Of, I know we were kind of holding our breaths for a little bit, but yeah. Um, I don't know. This is an interesting time in like kind of an interesting transition period, I guess. So it's kind of all up in the air and it's hard hard to figure out like what's the thought process behind oh, some of these sure. decisions 
because you kind of, I mean, we don't really know. We can guess. And <laughs> well, yeah, it's a mix between sound business decisions and people, you know, and, and people yeah. like sometimes I, you know, hear people say in reference to things like Marvel or Star Wars or whatever, like, oh, no, they make good choices. It's like, no, that's just absurd. That's yeah. such an insane level, I think, of brand loyalty because nothing no one is infallible and no company is like a, like that would that would mean that they always hire infallible people as well like mm-hmm. that's just preposterous and we know that that's not the case with like the parent company of disney because that's why they bought star wars and marvel because they were failing repeatedly in a certain market you know mm-hmm. tomorrowland uh john carter every time uh, uh lone ranger every time they tried to reach like an action you know little yeah. stereotypical little boy i mean it's a very antiquated and and uh and I think gender, you know, yeah. role kind of, kind of backwards way of looking at it, but it is the way I know marketers did until pretty recently, like across the board. And now they're, I think, being a little more enlightened about it finally, which is feels preposterous, but it is, yeah. it, it is what it is. <laughs> but, but like, that's what happens when it's a bunch of old white men working in your marketing department for forever. decades. Yeah. <laughs> There's the same guys, whoever. Yeah, not a lot changes. <laughs> your real life Dick Whitman's posing as uh, Don Draper's are still working that's yeah. what we don't realize is that now they're just like <laughs> almost 100 and they're just like insane well, <laughs> but- i just think about like because i work in a in a business realm and i think about the people that work in my company's marketing department and it's like they're just now starting to bring in really young talent and there's been a lot of good changes because of that like more relevant changes for marketing so it's like you know maybe that should send a signal to you know my company and also other companies but whatever <laughs> It feels like we're slowly inching towards it with like larger things putting us, setting us back a little bit as a culture, <laughs> like, like, you know, for periods yeah. of time, even, even though I think like the, the general forward momentum is still there. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, it, it's something that they needed. You know, they weren't, they, they, they clearly weren't always making the right calls on this stuff. And yeah. Marvel wasn't either. Like, otherwise yeah. we'd have a second Hulk movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that's like, true. Like, this is, it, that being said, they have had like, Three uh, Avengers and three Captain Americas and three Thors and three yeah, Iron yeah. Mans and like they're they're not. If if a company is one, we should like have some faith in them. Kind of knowing what they're doing at this point, I feel like Marvel has they've had less missteps, less giant failures lately. They they do seem to be on the ball and they seem to be embracing the forward momentum we are having as far as progress goes. I think uh, like at least the film side on on the surface at least, and the t- and as you pointed out, the TV side for all of its issues. You know, Shield especially has been pretty diverse from the beginning and only gotten better. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's quite a digression, but it was all on topic at least. <laughs> um, shall we talk about Shield since we're yeah. <laughs> since that's what we're here? Yeah. Now that we've established that there are episodes, <laughs> long-winded yeah. way of saying yeah. it only took us ten minutes to, to, to get to why there's eighteen episodes. Seventeen already oh, happened. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so funny. Um, <laughs> all right. So just as a quick recap, in case you forgot since last episode, um, Hydra's back. Fury's assumed dead. We know that's not true because we watched um, Winter Soldier. Um, Garrett is the clairvoyant and Ward is a very, very bad person. Um, he is also Hydra. And like very, very soon in the beginning of the episode, I can't remember what part, but uh, doesn't doesn't Garrett even have a line about the clairvoyant like they were expecting like a psychic or something like he had a line almost referencing oh. 
how yeah. it's like, hey, you probably didn't think it was going to be me, <laughs> like, which I thought was kind of it, it was winky without being like over the top winky. Like it was it was good. There's a couple of good moments with Garrett because at the end of the episode, we see Garrett and Quinn and there's like a pretty good exchange there too where Garrett's just like such a dick. Like, Oh, and in, in the spoiler section, we can talk about how that ha- has an added dimension after the fifth season. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. we know what happens right after that meeting. Yep. All right. So um, this episode starts off with Raina. She's in a the S.H.I.E.L.D. prison. So she's at the fridge. She's making paper flowers, very on brand. She hears explosions and she smiles, a creepy little smile. And then Ward walks in and she is very scared. She like backs all the way to the back of the cell. But he gives her a box with a bow on it. And it's a flower dress. It's from the clairvoyant. Oh, Raina's back. <laughs> um at the hub um Colson is watching the news video footage uh, and it's basically uh clips from Winter Soldier it's the um helicarriers crashing into the Triskelion in DC um and Sky walks in to tell him that only 3 shield bases are actually secure out of I don't know how many there are actually Three out of I don't know how many, but anyway, three is not a lot, and the hub is one of them. <laughs> they don't say, do they? Like how many? I don't think so. I don't think they, they ever do it. Anymore. Is that something that's in the comics ever? I mean, the Shield comics. Oh, I mean, it's that sort Maybe. of thing, <laughs> especially with Shield and comics. Like, like we talked about how, like, uh, just ca- kind of like a crazy labyrinthine maze. Everything is yeah. in it, and especially <laughs> with, with spy stuff. If at any point they were like, there are six shield bases, then at some point, uh, you know, they had an, an issue where Nick Fury is like, but these are my super secret shield bases only level 18 knows about, and nobody even knows that level exists. Like, oh, you skipped 10. <laughs> well, funny you should say that, because this episode is very yeah. uh, poignant on that point. <laughs> but that happens a lot. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Well, we get a little taste of that here (laughs) so uh we go to havana cuba where reyna and ward are meeting up with garrett at a barber shop and reyna learns that garrett is not actually clairvoyant and she is very unimpressed and disappointed (laughs) yeah that's that's where he has the kind of snarky line where he's like yeah like not what you expected or something but yeah and he's just like having the time of his life he's just like he's out he doesn't have to keep secrets anymore he's so happy he can go raid you know shields resources and reina is just like her dreams have deflated um but we learn that there is a hydro facility underground underneath this barbershop which um they brought reina to to do things <laughs> i guess <laughs> Sounds su- that sounds super ominous. <laughs> yeah. Um, back at the hub, Fitz and Simmons and Trip are repairing the bus. Uh, as you will remember, um, Hans agents shot at the bus because they thought that Coulson was a Hydra agent. We learn from Simmons that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been labeled a terrorist organization by the U.S. government. And Simmons is questioning if orders are even orders, is up, down, and, you know, whatever. Um, she's, you know, implying that orders are like mere suggestions now because shield doesn't actually exist anymore and there's this funny moment where fitz is trying to repair the cargo hold door and he tells trip to turn the power on and it starts sparking and fitz is just like so agitated and he's like turn it off turn it off and he just like stomps away he's like so irritated by this relationship between trip and and Gemma. it's very obvious he's not happy 
<laughs> and he's just not happy with all of this. He doesn't do well with change. In the next scene, we meet uh, General Tal- General Talbot. I didn't write that down. I think he's general, right? Yeah. Uh, General Talbot uh, of the U.S. Air Force, uh, played by Adrian Pazdar, he um, wants to send a peacekeeping force into S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ to talk, um, but Coulson is not buying it. He's like, this is not good. He wants to issue something called Odyssey Protocol, which is basically get the fuck out. (laughs) Um, So every... uh, uh, most everyone is leaving, uh, but some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are staying behind to surrender. And um, Coulson knows that they need to fight HYDRA. Um, this is their responsibility. This is what they do as S.H.I.E.L.D. And they can't do that if they're caught up in litigation with the U.S. government. We can talk about this in the discussion more, but I kind of always assumed that S.H.I.E.L.D. was a U.S. government entity. Yeah, they go back and forth constantly in the comic books where it's like, oh, no, it's a U.S. government organization. And then it's, oh, no, now it's an international organization heavily funded by and involved with you know, US, U.S. government, with, with U.S. military okay. involvement or intelligence involvement. Uh, like, okay. it, I, like, I swear, in the comics, it was a U.N. organization. And then, like, the next time it was a big deal was right when they did the Civil War story. And then at that point when it was over – it, well, Shield was first off enfor- enforcing an, a U.S. law, <laughs> and and then okay. <laughs> uh, after that, when it was over, like the president appointed Tony Stark director of Shield. Okay, so, all right, yeah. <laughs> hmm. a little gray area there. Whatever. This isn't real. This is not real life. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they definitely treat it like it's U.S. military, like for sure, because the yeah. Super Soldier program. They act as if is is absorbed by Shield, which is absolutely yeah. a part of the U.S. Army. That's without question. So if they're right. pivoting at this point, then this is a pivot that they're making in the MCU, not just on Shield, but on you know in the films as well. And they're not really consistent. So well, and I guess it doesn't really matter at this point either because Shield doesn't technically exist anymore after this. Yeah, it's been dissolved, or it's a terrorist organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> Well, before that, a little gray area weirdness. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, Trip decides that he wants to come with Coulson's team. And Coulson is, um, he's a little hostile towards Trip. And uh, it's, I think it's partially because, you know, Garrett, he was teamed up with Garrett and he was with him day in and day out and never saw that he was Hydra. But also, I think, I don't know, Coulson's just on edge in general right now and um simmons comes to trip's defense and she um says that you know he belongs on this team as well and colson relents but he's like all right agent triplets your responsibility simmons which i think she's enjoying (laughs) um and colson's walking through the bus getting updates you know everything's horrible nothing works they're gonna be out of food soon they have a fuel leak um but they have internet which is uh, the only good news. Um, and Coulson wants Sky to erase everyone's identity. And Sky's a little shocked. She's like, this is kind of a nuclear option. Like, you know, that once you do this, it cannot be undone. And Coulson's like, do it. We uh, are now on the run from the government. So she erases everyone's stuff, <laughs> which is a little crazy to think about. There's like an image of her erasing wards, like birth certificate and stuff like that. 
Coulson also gives her a phone that, so she can call and check on Ward and make sure he's okay. Um, so she calls him and Ward answers, um, even though he's with Garrett at this point. And it seems like there's true warmth there, like while they're on the phone. And then they get off the phone and Ward completely goes back to being like cold, heartless Hydra agent. And But Ward is mad at Garrett for having Sky shot. And Garrett seems understanding about the situation he's like well you know like if you had a thing for her you should have told me i wouldn't have had her shot but like if you should have taken care of this like early on and it wouldn't have been a problem but um i don't know it's like a weird this weird i don't know their relationship is weird (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into it a little later reyna in the meantime is not happy she's like why the fuck am i here like my name isn't flowers it's reyna like stop being overly familiar and weird John Garrett. Um, But apparently Garrett grabbed some of the substances from the guest house when they were there to find the GH325 for Sky. And he wants Raina to figure out how to bring someone back to life. They've tried various agents on people and it did not go well. Ward also gives her the hard drive from the bus that all of their past data from other missions is backed up on and uh he's like here get to work do your thing and she seems very excited by it and now ward and garrett are going to go to the fridge and they're going to go shopping <laughs> as garrett says and and like you said before where he has gotten uh he, where he, he's like really happy that he can just kind of be out in the open with this stuff he takes on a new level mm-hmm. of like like to me, it's a combination of like the cigar chomping general he already kind of was, you know, is sort of like slowly transmogrified into almost like a lower level version of Willem Dafoe's like scenery chewing Green Goblin and, and Spider Man. Like he's just yeah. getting a little more manic and super villainy as as it's going, and it's he really is. good because like, it's it's not like a crazy turn where just like he's cackling like a madman, but he's just like. What was a kind of a smug laugh before is now like a creepily smug laugh. And like, it's yeah, great. He's he's just so gleeful at like everything that's happened. Everything is going exactly according to plan. Like he's having a great time being this this villain. And Bill Paxton is just like magic on screen. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> he kills it. Like he does such a good job in most things. And he's amazing in this. It was I'm really glad this was one of his... Uh, last things just because i think it stands up really well and like it's a, it's better than something <laughs> like, like orson yeah. welles last thing being transformers the movie <laughs> like, like that's right. I, I love that movie but that's that's a bummer when you look at his whole career <laughs> like, i know i know oh well r.i.p bill paxton thank you for your service to shield <laughs> and hydra <laughs> um all right back on the bus sky uh or, or i guess i didn't mention this but colson asked sky to collect all of um the shield badges and she's like that's gonna be hard to do so sky did that and she said that uh simmons cried when she gave her her badge and um she gives them to colson for him to put away so he puts them away in a safe behind his desk Sky is like talking about how like, wow, it's all gone. She was only an agent for like a day. Um, And then Coulson kind of gives her this look and she's like, you gave your you literally gave your life for S.H.I.E.L.D. And now it's just gone. (laughs) Like his world is has been shaken. And that's we're going to see probably a little bit of fallout from that in the next couple episodes. Everyone who is involved here seems like, um, you know, this was their lives. And now here they are trying to figure out what to do with them. 
uh, while they're having this conversation, Sky sees something weird on Coulson's badge, and there's numbers at the bottom of the badge, and they're lit up, and they look like coordinates. And um, Coulson immediately suspects that Fury is involved. Um, the coordinates point to somewhere in the Canadian wilderness. Um, it could be a trap. Everyone is skeptical except for Coulson. He is 100% sure that this is Fury. This is how Fury operates, even though Simmons is like, has, has, has Fury ever communicated with you in this manner before? And he's like, no, but I know it's him. He's just placing a lot of trust in Fury when they you know, know him to be dead. But Coulson seems to think otherwise. So... We'll see. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Cuba, Garrett is talking to a Hydra agent who is a very, very zealous and he's like doing all the hand motions. Hail Hydra. And Garrett's like, doesn't seem that excited about Hydra. He's kind of like, whoa, dude, like, you know, chill out. Like, yeah, hail Hydra. Great. <laughs> so it's interesting because because he's like, in many ways, I feel like to this point, aside from the Winter Soldier movie, he is the most in it, the most like faithful or zealous or like true believer that there is until this kind of episode where it's like, it almost just feels like he was just waiting to you. Like you said, like this is just his excuse to be a sociopath. He's like, like, man, finally I could just be myself. (laughs) Like that's the only reason he was ever part of Hydra in a weird way. Like, well, and I think too, like, I think in the last episode when he gets found out that he's Hydra, like when Coulson figures it out, he mentions like, I felt the breeze blowing, you know, in one direction and he wanted to be on the side of victory or whatever. I can't exactly remember exactly what he said, but um, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about this in the spoiler section, but Garrett needs resources. And if Hydra is going to be the one to give him those resources, so be it. And if S.H.I.E.L.D. is like also, so be it. So I think, I don't know if his loyalty to Hydra is necessarily real right no it, you know what it, I mean? it does seem very conditional compared to us to other, other people it felt yeah. real but i think that was just because yeah. he's good at playing the game yeah yeah same and um well and we'll get into ward in a second now um so reyna and ward start to talk about how um he got in with colson's team and so ward just goes down this list this creepy ass list so he did a selfless act to gain trust he jumped out of the bus when it was in flight to save simmons he knew may would be the hardest to um to trick and so he got intimate with her um and colson saw in ward a person that he could help but sky was kind of this she was the unknown variable. And so that ended up being playing out a little differently. Um, but Raina suggests that it must have been really hard to betray Coulson because he's a good man. And Ward says, yeah, but I owe Garrett everything. And so we see that Ward isn't necessarily like a Hydra groupie either. He's just there for Garrett. He's a Ward. Yeah, yeah, Ward is a, is a Garrett groupie more than anything. Just it's, it's he's his yeah. twisted dad. Yeah, yeah. which gets weird later. Um, God. Um, So back on the bus, May is checking on Coulson in his office and he's not nice at all. He's just not having it. He's like, all right, why are you even here? Like, just go on and like, stop asking me how I am. Like, he's just so rude to her. And it feels like every every line is punctuated with subtext of like, it has in parentheses in the script, like Ward is thinking, any other secrets you're keeping? Because <laughs> like, like, that's yeah. totally what it feels like. <laughs> He's still so bent out of shape about it. Which, yeah. It, it was a pretty big violation, but you'd also think if it weren't. Given the circumstances too, like. <laughs> 
See, I, I feel like that's that's why I'm giving him more of a break for, for being as sensitive as he is because, yeah, they're extenuating circumstances, but the, what they're in the middle of right now with the whole loyalties being questioned and Fury being dead and, and the giant yeah. betrayal and finding out they've been working for Hydra at their highest levels other than Fury, it's like, I get that he's like, how do I even know? But that's really why, you know, everything is turned on its head to a level. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because Garrett, they showed that he had you know, a long lasting respect for, even though they didn't do things the same way, they'd worked together for so long. He had trusted him, him pretty implicitly as well. So I feel like, like True. it makes sense to me why he's being extra sensitive and extra uptight about it. But at the same time, it's, it is like very immature. Like it's very, it's, it's like, like, come on, man. You know, you know better than this, really. Just get over it, step up, and move on. She's trying to help, but he he blunders that. <laughs> well, I even think of it in the opposite way. Like, given the circumstances, he's he should be looking for anyone he can actually trust. And May, like, is someone that he can trust. Like, and I guess like you're completely right in that he is being a little sensitive about who he can trust and who he can't trust. But like, I don't know. Like, of all the people on the plane that he could probably place the most trust in it's her <laughs> yeah, he, he, it, just, it, it feels like it just sucks because there's some, something happened that made him to where he can't see that right now and it is somewhat yeah, reasonable but you're that, you're right but... too like uh, that's what i mean like on some level he should be like you know better than this you know like like really but he's got to be yeah. the most shaken and he's probably ever been other than you know the whole resurrection thing yeah <laughs> yeah second most shaken he's ever been <laughs> yeah let's put it and this guy met four <laughs> That's pretty That's cool. true. <laughs> oh my god! And he was stabbed by Loki. I guess that kind of goes mixed in with being resurrected. Yeah, it's all kind of the same, right? Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so May suspects that um, Coulson's feelings about the coordinates popping up on his badge might not actually be his. They might have been planted by Hydra. And she mentions she mentions that she knows Fury wasn't actually in charge of the Tahiti project, which is like another secret that's being unveiled to Coulson, which just pisses him off and he just tells her to get out of his office so great productive conversation guys good job way to be adults speaking of being adults fitz is not a fan of agent triplet and he really hates that uh trip is like getting in with simmons and every time that they're in the same room together it's just hilarious how upset he is and just like desperate to either make him feel less than or you know be a know-it-all or outdo him in some way and Poor Fitz. <laughs> no, it's it, it's a bummer. Like it feels, I don't know. It's kind of pathetic. <laughs> like, mm. like, you know, absolutely. And it's just, dude, you gotta say stuff. You can't just, yeah, fine, and and not say anything, and then be all bent out of shape. And I do feel like, on some level, their relationship and the stress they go they're undergoing is making him realize stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he might not realize yeah. it all up front so it's a little bit of an excuse but at the same time like he's being super passive aggressive and it's just lame like it's it does, it's not a good look on anybody but it's particularly not when it's like dude just all things being considered all things being equal you're he's gonna lose to triple <laughs> so, right? so don't don't like make it even worse by being all snarky and passive aggressive and entitled you know like well and don't don't be the fake nice guy thing I know. Um, we've mentioned this before, but Fitz and Simmons are emotionally young. Yes. And 
I think that is like this whole situation is definitely a part of that. Like Fitz has all these feelings and doesn't know what to do with them because he's probably never known what to do with feelings like this or had done anything with feelings like this before. Oh, yeah, you know, in the, in like- the prank episode and the Shield Academy one and all these things, like there's there's all sorts of things like you're saying that really just drive home. They're both like big kids essentially. Like they're probably like yeah. – them and Sky are supposed to be like in their very early 20s. Yeah, I think the actors are probably in their mid twenties at this point, but in, in, at the beginning of the show, but they're like they're they're supposed to be kids, pretty much. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah, but it's still not a good look, like you said. <laughs> no, for, for, for sure, it, it's not the most endearing it's ever been for him. And I feel like on some level, it does echo other like Joss Whedon stuff, like Xander yeah. pining after Buffy or whatever. Where you're supposed to kind of feel for him, but at the same time, in retrospect, even that it's all just very much the. Uh, the oh poor me nice guy bs yeah yeah i don't like it and all things be equal all things we know now about joss whedon (laughs) like it feels (laughs) it feels sort of maybe like it makes sense that that gross thing is reinforced repeatedly but yeah it's also something that they turn on their head later that i can talk about in the spoiler section with fits like I, i can say i think without giving away any big story points that he does not remain that guy for more than just these moments with triplet where and they are, they're very petty, jealous moments, but other than those moments, he's not the nice guy. He's a, he's a, an actually good person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Ward and Garrett show up at the fridge and they, they play prisoner. <laughs> they, this is what I wrote. They play pretend prisoner and infiltrate. <laughs> um, it just reminded me of uh, Ragnarok. Let's play, get help. But yeah, they essentially, uh, they get in, um, they gas the place, they have these gas masks on, they're walking around, and um, something called slingshot protocol is mentioned, um, and they, we find out that it's a lie. Apparently, um, S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to be shooting all these dangerous entities into the sun, <laughs> but they didn't do that. They kept everything in storage at the fridge, which seems really dumb. Seems like they should have spread that shit out. Um, so they raid the place, and we see a couple callbacks. So we see the um, Tesseract tech from episode two that i don't know what to call it looks like a little engine well and we even that we watched them throw it into the sun or what we thought was them throwing it into the sun right yeah like, it was just an empty rocket well they mentioned that too that right. they just launched a bunch of empty rockets which is just, crazy and wasteful <laughs> liars. um i know and then ward finds the berserker staff and he's holding gloves this time smart boy um and Garrett blow he uses the um the 084 device to blow a hole in the prison wall and he lets everyone out. Um and then Ward is like, here, give me that thing. And he points it at the floor. And Garrett's like, what are you talking about? There's this is the bottom floor. And Garrett's like, no, there's something else down here. And um or Ward says that. What did I say? Yeah, Ward. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't paying attention to what I was saying. Um so Ward blows a hole in the ground, um, and voila, there's the Gravitonium uh, off books. Uh-oh, it's not good. Um, so the bus goes to Canada and lands in the middle of the freaking snow in, in the wilderness, and um, it's mentioned that they have no more fuel, and a NATO satellite is going to pass over them in eight hours, and they're going to know they're there, so they don't have time to scout out. They have to all go or either stay or go. There's there's two choices. So Coulson says they can, you know, they get a choice. There's no orders here, and everyone eventually follows. Um, Sky goes first, and then May, and then everyone else goes. Um, of course, Sky goes first. She would follow her dad 
to the end of the earth. Um, so the teams hiking through the snow and we kind of have these one-off moments. So Fitz and Simmons kind of have this moment and Fitz mentions, you know, the last thing it's like, he almost says what he wants to say. And instead he says, the last thing I want is for things to change. And Gemma says, Fitz, it's too late for that. (laughs) And it kind of has like a double meaning, like as in, Hey, you're too late. Like I'm into agent triplet. And also like, a lot of things have changed in the past couple days. But I also feel like it's less knowing on her end because the thing, uh, as far as the triplet thing, and more for like the viewer. Because I feel yeah, like, yeah, that's what well, I Because well, I feel like she's kind of oblivious to his feelings on that level because he's just discovering them, and and she's she means like, oh no, everything's changed in you know, their lives. And, yeah, but, but absolutely. absolutely. Like like you're saying, like it has this great thematic, like extra extra meaning to it. And like I really love it because I feel like the viewer knows knows that extra extra layer too, but he feels it too. You know, like fits. Yeah, it, it fits like oh crap. Like and like yep. he's not seeing that. Like you said, what he actually means, he does want things to change. He wants them to yeah write write the boat, you know, for a shield, and he wants them to be together. So like saying you want to just still be friends and hit the reset button is a lie on at every level. I think. For him like he's yeah well, i think he doesn't know what to do no, he, like yeah, he, absolutely you know i think that's absolutely what it and is. it sucks because i feel like the kind of character he is he would he would have taken a while to figure out how he wanted to go about it anyway and then this mm-hmm. all happens it's like he's he's, <laughs> he's in a mess he's uh yes. yeah we can talk more about it in the spoiler section i have thoughts yeah we too. will yeah we'll talk then <laughs> um so um, they get to where the coordinates say they need to go and Coulson gets really heated and he just like has this really hard moment to watch. He's like, this has to mean something. After everything we've been through, this has to mean something. He's lost everything, including his life. <laughs> and it was, I don't know, it was so hard to watch him be like this because he's usually just this steadfast leader that always has the answers or he just always knows what to do and he absolutely doesn't in this situation and he's just going like he's not really he's just moving forward (laughs) hoping that something is going to happen and kind of going off his intuition and we Coulson has great intuition like he has that like spy sense as we've mentioned before but I mean like in this case, like everyone is there because he's there, not necessarily because they believe in what he's doing, which is a little weird. <laughs> yeah, like they believe in him. They don't even know what he's doing, really. Yeah, but they're kind of hope. Like, what else are they going to do? You know, like this is. I mean, he he used every last bit of fuel and food to get them there, and that's pretty much. If there's nothing there, well, then <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like they're stuck. Um, so anyway, he gets frustrated and he throws his badge up into the sky and a turret pops up and starts shooting. And so they all take cover and Coulson knows that this is a secret shield base. And so he stands up to identify himself and he's like, no, no, don't, don't do that. And look, he was right. Um, so the base door opens and he goes inside. Um, uh, back in Cuba, we find out that from Reina that Sky encrypted the hard drive. Um, and so Ward has to keep his cover and he has to go get her to decrypt it for Garrett. Um, back in Canada, 
we meet a new character, Eric uh, Koenig, played by Patton Oswalt. Um, he introduces this as Providence Base. It's one of Fury's many secret bases, as we talked about before, <laughs> the comic side. So, hey, look, there you go. Um, and he informs that, that the fridge has fallen. Um, and Eric has been there since the... Um, uh, the Battle of New York, and he reveals to Coulson separately from everyone else that Fury is in fact not dead, which we knew, but Coulson now knows. Um, so all of Coulson's uh, spy senses were correct. Crazy. <laughs> um, Sky freak. Sky freaks out when Eric mentions that the fridge has fallen, so she runs off to call Ward, um, and she tells the she tells Ward where they are, so he can come meet them there back in Cuba. Ward is getting ready to go meet up with the team, so he's getting his story straight, but they have to make it look believable. So Garrett starts punching him, and he's like, who are you? And Ward's like, I'm Agent Grant Ward, and he's still punching him, and Garrett's like, make me believe it. This is a weird scene, and it doesn't seem like this is the first time that they've done something like this. It doesn't. It feels super, like... I don't know. I guess like it's it's it felt just like what they do and it's extra screwed up. It's screwed up. It's super abusive and like crazy, like fucked up. I don't know. I didn't like this at all. It made me super uncomfortable. Ugh. I agree. I, I don't like it. I agree. <laughs> Back in Canada, Sky opens the door to the base and Ward is there and she lets him in the base and he's all cut up and beat up from his sparring session with Garrett. Back in Cuba, Raina brings in Ian Quinn, who is pissed when he sees Garrett uh, for uh, hashtag reasons, um, many reasons, <laughs> and he kind of gives Garrett the the laundry list of, of things that he's pissed about. But Garrett's like, I have a gift for you. And he walks him over um, to the Gravitonium, and Quinn is very happy that he has his Gravitonium back. Great. So that's the end of the episode. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Lots of Winter Soldier references. Yeah, no, it was all over the place with Winter, Winter Soldier. Uh, they re- do they re- reference Sitwell, or is that last episode? No, that was last episode. Um, they do. They just reference what's happened a lot, and the the kind of way Shield has been blown up from the inside out. Yeah, um, and a lot of stuff with Fury. Um, you know, the Battle of New York was mentioned. It's always I. I feel like the last. Um, probably the last half of the season has done a really good job with all the references. Like at the beginning of the season was, they were just so weird about putting in references. Like it was like those weird, like epithets and not fully formed. I don't know, like metaphors for things. And now it's just like straight up, like Fury's dead. Fury's alive. So it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's like actually cohesive. Yeah, it, it felt like the, time in the very first couple episodes, it was like the Netflix shows where they only say things like the, the, the thing in New York or the incident or yeah. the big green monster or whatever. But now they just come right yeah. out and say, I can't, oh, I can't remember because we, uh, we watched two episodes this week. If it was this episode or 19 where they, re- where they refer to Steve Rogers, where. Oh, that's in 19. Yeah. And the next episode. So it's like, you're right that this half yeah. of the season, like they're just not ashamed of it anymore. Yeah, and it's great. Even even though it's weird because this is like the end of the super connective stuff is this. Yeah. But they're not afraid of talking about it, <laughs> which is which is good yep. for sure. Yep. Um so I really enjoyed the scene at the very end with Quinn and Garrett and um we talked like a little earlier about just like how Garrett is just like 
out in the open and he's just happy to be able to be himself and he's you know fully embracing the the villain persona and just this Quinn's line of my life was so good before I met you type of thing and he's like so also pissed that like Garrett is not actually clairvoyant which is kind of weird coming from someone like him who's very grounded in business and technology like I could see that coming from Raina but I think Quinn is just more irritated that Garrett's the one that like beat the shit out of him and then put him in a, a shield prison more so than anything else but just it's just it's a nice full circle <laughs> just to see them together in a scene, which I appreciate. Agreed. All right. Are we going to talk about Ward and Garrett or should we go to the spoiler section and talk about them? Uh, we can go to the spoiler section and talk about uh, comic stuff real quick and then do that if you want. Uh, Sounds good. The comic stuff is we've mentioned him before. I believe uh, uh, Gwen Talbot appears, mm-hmm. who's a pretty important character. Uh, he's, I think in the comics, I believe he becomes a colonel. I'm not sure uh, if he's colonel or general. Oh, yeah. uh, I think he's colonel. I'm not 100% sure because I, I feel both sound right to me. But I know, same. <laughs> it's also possible that he was both in the comics at different points, which is not right. great. But uh, he was created by Stanley and Steve Ditko. And Steve Ditko is uh, pretty famous in comic uh, the comic realm. Everybody knows Stanley, you know, indefinitely. Mm-hmm. But Steve Ditko uh, created Spider-Man so with Stan. So mm. he's kind of – that's – where his, his claim to fame, you can you'll recognize hundreds of characters from the Spider-Man world. We're all created by him: Gwen Stacy, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, the Green Goblin, all the big ones. And right. uh, he also created characters for DC over the years, including the Question, who is a he's a subscribed to and and ran and ran's uh, philosophy. Steve Ditko. Oh. So he was kind of a hardcore. Uh, I don't know, extremist in some ways that I don't, I don't agree with, but creatively I can't deny that he was a very talented human. And uh, right. it's weird, but the question has, has evolved over time to this. It's almost like mocking that mindset because he, uh, the, the character like has portrayed in his most famous depiction and justice league unlimited is a paranoid conspiracy theorist. So it's like, it's kind of funny. It feels like more, uh, progressive thinkers have taken some of his good ideas and been like, I'm going to kind of make fun of how he was nuts. But, yeah. uh, but he, uh, he also created squirrel girl who oh, cool. is a great character in so many ways, but yeah. Um, and so but he created Glenn Talbot with Stanley as a, uh, a foil for the Hulk. Glenn Talbot, uh, worked under general, uh, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, the Hulk's father-in-law <laughs> and like primary nemesis. And, Glenn was, I believe, an Air Force uh, pilot who, at first, who ended up like mm-hmm. making his way up the ranks and ended up becoming a pretty high-ranking official. And has been involved in comics for years. Uh, I believe he died in 1981 in uh, Incredible Hulk 260, I believe. But he was he's around from the beginning, from tale from Tales to Astonish uh, number 61 in 1964. So he was around from like the very beginning of the Hulk story. And uh, we talked, I think, maybe about Agent Clay Quartermain before in uh, in uh, previous episodes. Who's a Shield agent, and he worked closely with him, and, yeah, uh, with Sitwell as well. So, uh, I just um, I find it interesting that uh, Talbot, the first episode that Talbot is introduced in in the season, is another is within the same episode. The Gravitonium is also brought back into the fold. No, that's a really good note for spoilers. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the last comic connection yeah. I was going to mention was that uh, he also, not only does he work under 
the Hulk's father-in-law, but before he became the Hulk's father-in-law, he was Talbot's father-in-law. Talbot married Betty, oh, what? Talbot <laughs> married Betty Ross, the Hulk's longtime love interest, eventually the Red She-Hulk and uh, and his one-time wife and and kind of like the love of, of, of Bruce Banner's life in the comic books. This was her first husband. So he hates the Hulk and Bruce Banner, even like even like acknowledging that they're completely separate personas. Yeah. He hates both of them for different reasons. Like one, you stole my wife. The other one, you're a monster. So it's kind of, he's that is so common. No, it super is. He's got, he doesn't even need the secret identity. He, he, he multiple, on multiple levels. Um, and Adrian Pazdar is great as him. And I don't think I've met, I know we mentioned him a bit in the spoiler sections, like when we first did uh, the Gravitonium stuff. But I don't know that I had mentioned that he voices uh, or voiced Tony in one of the cartoons. And I, oh, I believe no, Earth's, I didn't know that. Maybe Earth's Mighty's Heroes, I think, was the one he did, he did. But it was a really, it was an excellent Avengers cartoon that ran for a little while, a few years ago. And he, he did a pretty solid uh, Robert Downey Jr. impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Man, I really liked him in Heroes. You know he was, he was interesting. Like he was such a weird guy. Like I, I have a very love hate relationship with heroes. The whole, I know I do. Too. The whole time I was frustrated because <laughs> because Tim Kring kept saying none of this stuff is taken from comic books. I didn't even read comic books growing up. But several of his oh, right. writers on the show, including Jeff Loeb, who, who runs Marvel TV under Ike Perlmutter, uh and and is, has a huge comic book history. Like he was one of the guys and he like is famous for his Batman story, long Halloween. He's done a bunch of stuff at Marvel as well. And it's just, you know, he created the newest version of Nova at Marvel. He's it's, it's preposterous to me to pretend that it had nothing to do with it, especially because, because like the guy who is, who he hired to work on it and was his mentor was a comic book creator. And several of the people he hired worked in comics or grew up on them. So it just felt very disingenuous. It's like, no one's saying you're ripping anything off. Everyone knows that like, ideas come back and homages exist things influence each other like it's not no one yeah, was mad I mean, that he did yeah. you know a days of future past-esque story and like the way that it looks to the most of the world that came before the days of future past movie so whatever it works out fine for him because <laughs> he beat he beat superheroes you know uh but he, he beat he beat costume superheroes you know he as far as like a, a race goes his he, he he helped ease the world into it i think in a weird way yeah, because that was a, a phenomenon. So. Like that was NBC's number one show. It was like their version of Lost. Like they were, like they loved that. They 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 pushed that show and so much the, to say the cheerleader and save then the, the writer strike hit mm-hmm. and it came back <laughs> and, and it, it just, crumbled. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it like, was what, the thir- starting with the third season. It just got really bad. And yeah, even even like parts of season two. Oh, no, it, it, just there like, was stuff ooh. that was like interesting, but also problematic. Like. Like the whole, uh, that, that's, I, I go on about that show. Cause my, my, my favorite character was Hero, <laughs> who was great. But yeah. like even his story, which is pretty well done, like of him becoming a hero, like required him taking his own legacy back from a whitewashed dude. Like the, yep. the super samurai who he emulated and ended up taking the legacy over from was an immortal white dude. <laughs> it's like, come yep. on, man. Really? The, 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 the first greatest. Samurai like was a white guy who trained this guy. Come on, man! Like it's it's literally like the Doctor Strange thing before the Doctor Strange thing. It's like yep. <laughs> only Doctor Strange they were both white. <laughs> so. Yep, I know. It's there's a lot of there's everything is problematic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, um, Heroes is very problematic on on many 
many levels, but um, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm just annoyed that it made me not like what's his face for so long. I because I, I never bought him as Siler. I always felt like he was really o- over the top. But oh, I love really? him in in like uh, Star Trek and other stuff like Zach- Zachary Quinto. I think he's pretty talented. Yeah, I think it was just the writing was a little yeah. much for me. Um, Eric Koenig is a very different character. To go back to uh, like our comic connections, he's still a Shield agent, and he ended up dying uh, relatively recently. But he was a, a, a howling commando. He was a, a member a member of the original <laughs> World War II team, like with along with Dum Dum Dugan, who we talked about before, mm-hmm. played by Neil McDonough in the movies and in the Agent Carter stuff, I think, and uh, in the short. Um, but so he was along with the old school version, the comic version of, of Nick Fury. He was a member of his team. What's also interesting is he's a German immigrant. He was a Nazi. He's a member of the Nazi youth. But in in a fight, Nick Fury is like, hey, dude, you're on the wrong team. Basically can explain to him why Nazis are hateful, bigoted monsters. And he's like, you know what? I never really bought into this stuff anyway. They're kind of dicks to me. <laughs> like my superior officers are kind of like giant <laughs> monsters. So you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to turn coat. I'm going to join you guys. So he, he defected and joined them and ended up uh, becoming a member of their team and eventually a member of shield and was a loyal, uh, you know, a soldier of Nick Fury's until he passed away. Uh, he was, wow. I believe he died in an issue of secret warriors in uh, 2010, uh, secret warriors 19. And he first appeared in Sergeant Fury and his howling commandos number 27 in, uh, February of 66. Wow. I had no idea that he was a comic book. Character. Well, and they reference that Eric Koenig in this, in this episode or nine. I can't remember. It, this is the issue. This is the episode that really introduces Koenig. So I feel like it's okay to mention it, but he mentions his grandfather was a howling commando. So, so he, okay. so he does reference that character. They, they do the same thing actually in a cool way. Uh, in, in Spider-Man, they have a, they have a character who, in Homecoming, who is, uh, well, I believe it's his principal, and he is the same actor who played a Howling Commando, plays the Howling Commando's grandson oh, yeah. in that as well. Oh, that's so cool. I love that shit. <laughs> you know, it's really, it is, it's really neat. I, I oh, I'm trying to remember. No, and the, the I guess that's the only major uh, connection in... Uh, in the comics, other than when I'm, than, than Talbot, we're introduced to a character at the during the breakout scene, but uh, that character is more prominently featured in the next episode, and I'll cover it in nineteen. Yeah, yeah, he, we just get like a glimpse of him as he's busting out of jail. <laughs> it's a significant glimpse, glimp, glimpse, glimpse. <laughs> yeah, Eric, Eric Koenig, uh He was created by uh, Stanley and a guy named Dick Ayers, and. Uh, he worked on a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. comics and Nick Fury comics back in the day, and he created a bunch of different characters. The one who most people, I think, might know is uh, the love interest for Captain America in the movies. Peggy Carter's niece, Sharon Carter, uh, was created by Dick mm-hmm. Ayers. So, so that's his oh, kind of cool. most famous other creation. Uh, and he's got you know, Eric Koenig, who in the, uh, in the spoiler section, I guess, for Eric Koenig, he is... More than one person, Patton Oswald is. <laughs> so that's why I was so surprised when you mentioned that he was a comic book character because it really feels like this character was created for Patton Oswald just to be on the show. <laughs> like, well, and, and, it, and it just like I don't know if any one of us, any of our listeners, has uh, 
has watched Parks and Rec or have watched Parks and Rec, but there's this one episode where he like filibusters uh, something that he's protesting as a citizen of Pawnee and he goes through his like fan script where it's a crossover, but it's basically Infinity War meets episode nine. Like it's it's crossing over Star Wars oh and the Marvel Universe and it's just him reading this fan fiction. I feel like if anyone deserves to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, it's him. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, I believe what there are, <laughs> he has one older sister who is just referred to as L.T. Koenig and then, uh, and three identical brothers they're quadruplets they're yep. and they're all but one of them I, I believe is a shield agent and the one who is not is like a musician is that right a comedian or something right i think he's or it was, i thought he's a musician maybe it's something it is something oh he might be a comedian or a magician we meet him later we meet him at some point yeah yeah it's something on stage yeah because he's because he's also a genius like they're all geniuses but uh, and yeah, and, and so is LT, who we never meet. I, I'm I really want to meet her, yeah. and I desperately don't want it to just be him in a, in a, in a wig. Actually, if <laughs> you drag, if, if you guys <laughs> oh look God. up uh, the comedian uh, Betsy Sadaro, I feel like she'd be perfect. Uh, she's not she's younger than Patton by quite a bit, but I don't care age age makeup her up because she I feel like she's just this yeah. really manic, weird kind of short hilarious comedian and i think she i think she'd be perfect as his sister so i like obviously since eric koenig is the only koenig that comes from the comics like i wonder if like pat because i mean spoiler we're in the spoiler section now so whatever but eric gets killed in the next episode and i wonder if they like created this whole backstory of him having three identical brothers just so they could bring Patton oswald back <laughs> See, I remember reading about it when I first met him, when I was like watching them kind of out of order, starting on what I guess season mm -hmm. three. Uh, and then when I like got, went back and caught up and everything, I remember reading about speculation and long time before we get to life model decoys and the framework, people were guessing that that's what he was, oh. that he wasn't identical uh, quadruplets, especially once the third one is revealed, they're like, "Oh no, <laughs> he's, he's just—he's yeah. clearly an, an LM, an LMD, yeah. a life model decoy, because that's a—it's a long lasting thing in yeah. Shield in the comics." And I, I'm kind of glad they didn't go yeah. that route, and it's because of exactly as you said, because he was based on a character who didn't have identical <laughs> <laughs> three identical siblings, who was in fact one of oh my gosh, the way they, I think they eventually have them take it as well, but the Infinity Formula. The immortality serum and vitality serum that gives Nick Fury the in the original comics the ability to still be kicking ass in the eighties and nineties, even though he was a World War mm -hmm. II vet. Uh, it was so whatever it was. It was uh, I think like most things in Marvel, which we've discussed in both the comics and the movies, it's an attempt to recreate the super soldier serum yep. originally. <laughs> and it, it instead of giving you superpowers, it just makes you you're just in great shape forever. <laughs> you're never going to get too old. You'll just be like in your late 50s for the right. rest of your life once you get to that point it's like hey sign me the hell up that sounds awesome and you get super but strength they, and well, well no you don't you don't get the super strength mm -hmm. stuff that's only with the super soldier serum like nick fury doesn't have super strength he's just gonna be gonna live for a long time oh. so he's great great to be a spy right <laughs> but the thing the thing that's super bonkers about it is the proximity to him was the original justification for all these other characters being long-lived gabe jones and and dum dum dugan and Izzy Cohen and, and Billy Kane and all these characters were supposed to be World War II vets who worked with him. And yeah, most of them were supposed to be a little younger than him, but they were all supposed to be like adults 
during World War II who are now still adults <laughs> and elderly, but were fighting as super spies. They were like the premier super spies were just the old members of the Howling Commandos. And it's like the original justification, I'm pretty sure, was like they were around him so much that the effects of the infinity serum and the infinity formula infected them oh, as well. God. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, that's not, you're not even trying. It's like, that's not, how, that's not how anything that you inject into yourself works. It's like, oh, I hung out with a dude who, he took penicillin, and we, like, we practically held hands. Like, no, that that's does not, <laughs> it's so silly. I just love how we take for granted how these stories were written by people who got their big breaks, a lot of them while they're in high yeah. school. Many of them were high school dropouts or, uh, you know, never went to college. And that's not to say anything other than, the combination of the fact that they were relatively uneducated and that they didn't have the access to information that we have now and that science wasn't where it is now. Doctors used to tell women like up through the 60s that if they jogged, that their uteruses would yeah. fall out. Like, oh, you, you, you could jog. It's, it's up to you if you don't want to ever have babies. Like, but that's a, whatever. Like that, Literally, that's what doctors used to say. We in During World War II, when these comics were first created, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, military doctors confirmed that there was no difference between uh, different races and their blood because up to that point they didn't they didn't uh, share transfusions across racial divides because people were afraid that yeah. there was there was some sort of difference and it wouldn't work and we, after proving this conclusively they kept it to themselves because they knew that people wouldn't want a transfusion because people were so racist they wouldn't want a transfusion from a non-white person. God. And so rather than let them have a chance to refuse it, they just didn't tell them and intermingled everything because they were like, we need blood yeah. donations. It's war. War is on. And like just the fact that this science stuff was so new and we just, we didn't actually know anything yet. So, but at the same time, it just, it feels, that feels like you should have known before we knew what DNA was. You should have known. <laughs> Nobody gets better from hanging out with the guy who took medicine. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Oh, I didn't do steroids. I just hung out with the guy who did the steroids long enough that they rubbed off on me. Like, no, what? Wow. <laughs> so that is yeah, that's pretty bad. a brief installment of comics are super weird. Semi-weird <laughs> comics. Yeah. So that's why, that's why he lived. But it would be even uh, – what got me to that is it would be even weirder if he had three identical uh, triplet brothers or quadruplet brothers that also – Hung out with Nick Fury yeah. enough at fam family barbecues. <laughs> they were all invited to or something. I, 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 yeah. uh, they all defected from the Nazi. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I'm glad, frankly, that he's not a redeemed Nazi and that he's Patton Oswalt. He's for Patton yeah. Oswalt. I'll I'll, t I'll take that over. I don't need any more redeemed Nazis. There's way too many of them in comics because just like, yeah. Because <laughs> they were the go-to villains for yeah, so long, well, it was for good reason. It, it, and they're still around. And I get, I get liking redemption stories, yeah. but I don't need to feel bad for Nazis anymore. I don't, want, I don't need anyone trying to yeah, make me. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's enough I of that. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the extent of the comic connections for this episode. Nice, some good ones. <laughs> so I'm wondering if okay, I do want to talk about Ward and Garrett just yeah. because we see a little bit of weirdness in their relationship here and it ties into spoiler stuff. I think we should save Coulson for the next episode because there's more, it's more Coulson centric okay. stuff. So, and I don't really have an agenda for what to say about this, but <laughs> we can just go for it. So what we know about like from future episodes, like Ward 
like had a bunch of shit go down with his family and Garrett essentially like saved him as a teenager, like after he burned his family's house down. Is that right? I believe so. And it's, and, and he was like pushed. He basically, yeah. he, he had uh, just like exceptionally cruel parents and an older brother who turned him against his youngest brother, which we talked about before, like in the well in the spoiler yeah. section. Yeah, no, he, I believe that he got his like revenge by killing his parents and maybe his oldest brother. I think so. It's definitely his youngest brother survives. And because when we meet him later on, he's like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Like, yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it almost makes, it's the only thing about me that, or about him that really makes me feel badly for him ever. Because like the whole reason that his brother is able to be holier than us, able to be a good person. who's like, no, you're, you're bad is because he gave up his humanity to like save him, you know, like, it, yeah. and it's screwed up because it shouldn't have had to get, get to that point. It's all because of the conditions they were put in, but wait, no, isn't his older brother the one that's still alive? I thought that the one we meet later on is his younger brother. Cause he could, could be in the, in that he's the one who I don't remember now. I feel like just his parents died in the fire. I feel like, Oh my god, it's been so long since I've watched this. <laughs> we'll find out in a couple episodes, but I just feel like aside from all the family stuff, which I know you're looking up. Oh, you're right. Christian Christian didn't die yet. Just the parents did originally. He does eventually, the older brother. Okay. But Thomas is the one, like I said, who just Who's the one who's like the politician, right? No, no. The the, the older brother is the one who's the politician. Oh, okay. Christian, and he's the he's the bad one. And, yes, and, yes. And then the okay. younger one is like it doesn't really yes. appreciate it enough but to, I remember. Uh, to, to, okay. gr- to Grant, I think. Like he, yeah. He gives him guff. Ugh, God. Well, Grant kind of like let himself turn into a monster, like you said, to save him. I don't know. Um, and all right. Who the fuck is John Garrett to come in and take this teenage boy and like turn him into a sociopath? <laughs> to, like, did Garrett have all of these injuries that we know are coming up in the next couple episode before he met Ward? Or is that something that happens over time, like as Ward is an adult? I don't know because he, I think it's something that happens over time because I don't, because we know also that he, the Deathlock stuff that's being experimented on with uh, Mike, he is the first Deathlock subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know uh, later on that, that actually, in addition to being a clairvoyant, Garrett is a cyborg and yeah. and uh, has like enhanced strength and stuff and will only get more so as time goes on. But I don't think that he was already a cyborg when Ward was a kid. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I think those injuries yeah, <laughs> are why he becomes a Deathlock. Right. Yeah, because the – but the serum doesn't – I don't – the serum that he's taking just keeps him alive. I don't think it gives him necessarily powered abilities yet. No, but he does have cybernetic enhancements already, I think, that we yeah. don't know about. But you're right that, that that thing is just keeping him alive. Yeah, I don't think it's giving him enough strength to actually have, like, the super soldier type or the, the centipede soldier type powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think – I don't think it's centipede powers. I think it's just, like, life-sustaining. I think it's a, ver- a version in a weird way of, like, the infinity formula that I was just talking about. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Okay, so I just like I'm so uncomfortable with this relationship between Garrett and Ward because it's real gross and it's abusive and manipulative and Garrett's just he basically took this kid on to just become like, I don't know, a slave to his trauma and 
just to follow him blindly and do whatever needed to be done to, I don't know, further this weird agenda that he has. And it's, oh, I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's depressing and it hurts to watch. And it like, it does the, the combination of that and him, you know, spurning the brother who he meant to protect, like all that stuff, I think definitely makes, makes you feel for him as much as you or I probably ever will. Yeah. I think it, it definitely adds a layer to Ward's complex psyche as much as we hate him now um, for being who he is. I don't want to say it's a sympathy. I don't necessarily think it gives us sympathy to him, but I think it just helps us understand where he's coming from, I guess. And the weird fucked up like codependent relationship that him and Garrett have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll see more. But I just kind of wanted to. No, I'm glad you mentioned. Just talk about that, just because of that weird scene where Garrett's just like punching. I mean, and and we find out in the next episode that Garrett has or Garrett um, uh, Ward has like broken ribs and a fractured face, like from that moment. Like Garrett was hitting him so hard, he was making it believable. Quote, but really, he was just beating the shit out of him. Yeah, and I think he's got cyborg enhancements, so it's a dude who like right? like he's yeah. No, it's pretty messed up. Like not, not, I mean, real people can beat each other up that much too, but it's just saying, but either way, it's just like, it's, it's gross on many, many levels. It's a father figure with superpowers beating the crap up, beating the crap out of you to, to, to sell a lie. It's like, and you're a trained spy. It's like, you shouldn't need that. You should be able to sell the lie on your own. Yeah. And he's going, he has, and on top of it, he's going to get information from a woman that he supposedly has feelings for, but he's still going to use her to get this information and he's going to keep this cover uh, going of he's still the the proper shield agent that just you know went through a bunch of shit at the fridge <laughs> i looked at the actor uh who played uh jim marita in captain america first avenger and principal marita his grandson or his grandson in uh spider-man homecoming it's kenneth oh, Choi. So i knew i recognized him uh i've seen him in a lot of stuff but in particular i uh really liked him in uh, last man on earth but he's been in a bunch. He was in uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson. He was the he was, oh, he yeah. was, uh, Judge Ito, and he was. Uh, I think he's the star of uh, the Fox show Nine One One that's on right now mm-hmm. about the uh, firefighters in L.A. Oh, nice. Which I mean, if there's ever a show to have on right now, firefighting in L.A. makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's constant right now here. If you're not in L.A., don't come. It's covered in smoke. <laughs> yeah. Or Northern California yeah. for that matter. Also, yeah. It's, it's worse. <laughs> it's, it's worse. It's, it's, it's everywhere in the vicinity, but it's definitely worse. And the last, um, last spoiler thing I had to think about for this episode was just, uh, we see Ian Quinn get the Gravitonium and we're going to see him once more for one more arc, like, like, uh, in the very end of the season, because of the where where the cybertech and Deathlock stuff really comes to a head, but then he disappears with that gravitonium, and we don't see him until the flashback in season five. Wait, so we never actually see that on screen? We just see not until five. Wow! Like we he, we we just see him run off with it, and then we don't know that. And then suddenly, it, the gravitonium's in in the sky. Yeah, we don't know it absorbed him. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't realize that. I hadn't, you know, honestly, until. The whole Gravitonium arc came back. I hadn't really paid much attention to Ian Quinn. And now, like, I'm very much paying attention to him. <laughs> well, it makes sense that we, we forgot about him. Like, like while, like, I feel like while I watched the first step, first season all the way through, when I revisited it, and then probably while you watched it, because of the Deathlock stuff, I'm sure we were paying attention to him at the time. 
But he literally yeah. he disappeared after the last episode of the first season. He's not in it. Yeah, so that's true. Well, why would we think of him? <laughs> you know, it, it makes sense. You know, one billionaire gone. They had another opportunity to bring in another billionaire. They could have brought in a Lloyd Raffin. <laughs> there was an opening for an evil billionaire, <laughs> which, which uh, is also the perfect opening for us to re-mention Raffin Watch, which I know is what you were doing, and for me to tell everyone who enjoyed the Lloyd Raffin episode and the moments with Rob Hubel. Uh, if you have a YouTube premium or have any interest in trying out YouTube premium, which I, I recommend, they have a lot of uh, funny uh, and, and pretty interesting shows, but they, he has his own show, Rob Hubel. It's called, Do You Want to See a Dead Body? And it's just about, it's about a guy who lives in LA and who asks people if they want to see a dead body. And he asks his real life celebrity friends like Adam Scott and Terry Crews and John Cho and, uh, and, <laughs> Alexandra Daddario and like it's weird but it's great it's really funny uh if yeah I I highly recommend it it's it's super bizarre I guess the the premise was he loved movies like Stand By Me as a kid and there always seemed to be like in these Stephen King type movies you know whatnot kids finding dead bodies in the woods or by train tracks or whatever right in real life for those of us who grew up before the digital age like for the 70s and 80s I feel like in anywhere that on the outskirts of town or in the woods where any kid could get to, you'd find stashes of pornography hidden by weirdos and homeless people, <laughs> I'm guessing, like, like vagabonds. Yeah. I don't know. Other kids making sure their parents don't find it. But uh, and I feel like it's like the way he described it is like combining those two things. Like the fact that you would go out on adventures in the wood and find weird stuff you weren't supposed to find. And in all these movies, there was always a dead body. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, he's just the idea of that still happening to an adult. Like he just constantly that's finds dead bodies. Um, that's pretty so good. So yeah, that's. I feel like this is turning into a Ron Hubel um, fan podcast as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Rob, Rob Hubel should get more love. Rob, sorry. And we will uh, we'll keep that fire burning. I'll I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try to have a, a Hubel recommendation every few episodes. <laughs> oh my god. Rathman Watch That's is right. still going, even though we never see him again. But who knows? Season six is coming. Hey, we have, we have 26 episodes that could have a Lloyd Rathman. We don't know. I don't, I haven't, have they said that they've started, they just started shooting, right? Because like, they're, they're filming. Actually, um, Chloe Bennett revealed the new Quake look um, on her Instagram. That's what I was going to say. She did that last week, right? Yeah. So they've been shooting season six for quite a while. Nice. So, mm-hmm. fingers crossed on a on a Rathman resurgence. I can't, <laughs> except for the Rathman stuff. Uh, Diversions were all pretty on point, but this was a yep. this was a long one. I'm surprised, considering I have two. <laughs> oh, we have a lot of worn feels. <laughs> I think we should end it there. Agreed. Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, if I'm around, I'm on iStone. Nothing at uh, social media stuff, and people can find you where. Um, I'm on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. And you can find the pod at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email, um, projecttahitipod at gmail.com. And thanks for listening, guys, to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Or maybe it's not. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.